We are back. This week, our guest is Joe Jamie Har. She has been in the music industry for 24 years. So she has so much information that she can download to us. I'm so excited for you guys to hear her story. She currently holds the title of Senior Vice President at BBR Music Group of BMG Nashville. And she works with artists like Jason Aldean, Dustin Lynch, Jimmy Allen, Lindsay L, Lainey Wilson, and Brooke Eden, and so, so many more. I'm so excited, Joe Jamie, to have you on this podcast. Um, I know we're just kind of getting to know each other. We're kind of working on our first project together, but I just feel like for years, anyone who has ever mentioned you loves you and oh. just talks so highly of you. So thank you thank guys you. so much. Thank you for having me on. So excited. Yeah. And also this week, I should note, Cassie's not here. She's stuck in Europe. So no. Justin Horowitz of CrowdSurf, hey. who apparently has had a two-year <laughs> dream to be on this podcast and has never <laughs> asked about it is is making his debut here i am and will be our guest next week yes oddly very enough. very excited to be here here's your chance to shine i'm ready <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right so 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 joe jamie can you start us and you can make this as long or succinct as you want but tell us your story where were you like the little girl and listened to music and wanted wanted to get where you are today? How did that all conspire? Yeah, gosh. So I grew up in a really tiny town in Florida called Inverness. So it's like 40, well, it's almost, it's probably like an hour and 45 minutes outside of Orlando. Um, always loved country music. I loved country music and I loved 80s music because my mom listened to 80s pop. My dad listened to country. I always loved country music and I always was a fan um, I, unlike, I feel like a lot of people that are in the business or wanting to be in the business, I didn't even know that a music business existed until I got to college. Mm -hmm. So I went to school at UCF in Orlando and it was back in the day where I was literally walking the hall of the communication office. So back up, I did get, I graduated with almost a full year of college under my belt, just from doing like, um, the classes, the college classes in high school. I was never like overly smart, but just very ambitious. So I was like, if I can get these under my belt, I want to do it. So as soon as I got to college, I was 17. I also started kindergarten when I was four because we were in Germany. My dad's Me military. Too. Really? Well, that not because I was in Germany. I just, <laughs> you were it's smart. how it worked out. Actually, test, well, I tested into pre-K and then they were like, no, no, go ahead. So yeah, I graduated when I was 17 too because of that. Well, and it was always like a pain because you couldn't drive before anybody. Then yes. we went to college, we couldn't get into the bars. Yep. Uh, I know. Yep. Um, yep. So anyway, so I was 17 starting college, but I was immediately going into my major, which was PR communications at UCF, uh, PR advertising. And in the communications hall, there was this flyer. I will literally never forget. It was like this yellow flyer that said it had K92 FM, which is the country station in Orlando. And it said, if you love country music and want to have fun, call blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I love country music. I don't have fun. Like I didn't, <laughs> literally didn't know that there was a music business behind all of this. So as soon as I got that internship um, at K92, which is a Cox station, Cox owned station in Orlando, I interned there and that turned into like six hours of part-time work a week. So the last day of my internship, my mentor and one of my best friends, Mike Moore, who now works Cumulus in Atlanta, radio station in Atlanta, um, he, he brought me in his office and I, it was my last day and I was trying not to cry all day cause I didn't want to leave. And he called me in the office and he was like, Hey, he said, so we, we really don't want to let you go, but we only have like six hours a week that we can offer you if you want to stay. And I started bawling my eyes out. And at this, he always tells people it's the only person I've ever hired that has cried instead of like fired that has cried. Fired. <laughs> 
so those six hours turned into almost up to 39 hours as I was going through school, like working full time. So they um, put me on the morning show. So I was like on the morning show as like a roving kind of reporter. Then I was also the events coordinator. Um, and that whole time I was at the radio station in Orlando, I was more, I loved the artist, but I was more excited about the people like me that were coming in with the artist. Mm -hmm. So immediately I was just fearless. Like I was just talking to them going like, Hey, so what do you do? And do you love it? Blah, blah, blah. So I think I always knew I wanted to get to Nashville. So that same guy who hired me, he left and went to another station, but he ended up at WSIX in Nashville, which is the big 98, 97, nine. He ended up there and we had kept in touch and he called me and he was like, I want to hire you. So I was 20. I just graduated school. I'd been working full-time. I had two other jobs as well in school called me and said, Hey, you know, I have a promotion director job open. I want you to come. So I'm like 23 years old and I'm like, I'm there. So dropped everything, moved to Nashville. So that's how I got here. I started working at WSIX promotion director, but you know, I was 23, but I had been working in the business since I was 17, really, mm -hmm. but it was, it was challenging. Cause I got in at 23 and I was leading a department. And then I was also, mm -hmm. you know, working with people that were much older than me and it was intimidating. Mm -hmm. And kind of off subject, but I can remember feeling like I wasn't necessarily like taken seriously in business till I was like in my thirties, to be totally honest, even though I had been doing this for so long. So girl, I feel that so much, right? Like so much. And we'll get into this later, but a, a big, I think a thing that kind of comes off of that is I didn't feel that like competitive intimidation from males until that time when I started having power and they yeah. started becoming scared. Yeah. So we'll get to that. And, and I I'm think, sure. that, oh, right. And I think it kind of across the board of that, because when we were 20 and 21 and 22, we were just the cute kid. That was the youngest we person correct. in the room. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so once I got to Nashville, um, I just knew without a doubt, like I either wanted to be on the label side or the management side. And as I was like trying to figure, and I was still at the radio station, but then Mike, he actually left again. So if, if anybody knows about working in radio, that's a lot of moving around. Those program directors move to all different kinds of states yeah. and they're always moving. So he moved and he was like, come with me if you want to go. He's going to Portland. And I was like, you know, I want to be on the record side or work in management. So I need to stay in Nashville. So he left. And so I started trying to decide what I wanted to do. And I have a, I have a great respect for managers, but I'm so happy to be on the label side. And I've been on the label side since I left radio, because I feel like on the label side, I get to touch every single artist, mm -hmm. every single project with a manager, you probably have one or two artists and the, you know, those, those artists are your boss for all purposes. Right. And on the label side, you know, obviously my boss is my boss and I get to touch every element. So that kind of made me decide between somebody told me that one day they're like well if you're in management the artist is your boss which is fine or if you're in at the on the label side like you're in more of a like a corporate environment so right. um i left wsix to go to mca at the time it was mca mercury and dreamworks which is like an old label yeah you know, on the side, right yeah so um went to go work there as a promotion coordinator um, working for regionals, which are the people who go out and like, you know, try to get the songs played on the radio. But then I knew I was like, I want to be a regional. So I was like doing everything I could to move up. Um, I got moved up briefly there and was working as like a secondary promotion regional. So I got to call mm -hmm. like small stations. Mm -hmm. And then at that time, John Loba, who's my boss now, mm -hmm. we met and he was at Broken Bow Records, which it was only Broken Bow Records. They had this kid named Jason Aldean that like nobody knew who he was. 
And he hired me to come be the Southeast promotion regional. So I was working Jason Aldean, a guy named Craig Morgan, this other girl named Megan Mullins, like nobody had ever heard of. So I take Jason like on his first radio tour. Um, I got to work Hicktown, Amarillo Sky, Y was his first number one, um, worked at Broken Bow for two years. Then John and I both left and went to Big Machine. So Big Machine had just opened and that was, a, all of this is like a just giving you a quick story because it was all very hard to, to make those moves because I loved Jason. It was so tough to move. Yeah. But went to Big Machine and that's when like they had just opened with Taylor, but then Scott Borchetta had seen so much success. He was going to open another imprint called Valerie Music. Mm-hmm. And so he called John and I, I was like, I want you guys to start Valerie. So we went over there, started Valerie. We signed Jewel. She had a country record back in the day. Um, we had Brantley Gilbert, Thomas Red. I got to work with FGL when they got signed to Republic. Um, wow. So I did that for three years. After three years, John left and came back to Broken Bow and opened up all of the other imprints that became BBR Music Group. I stayed unknowingly. I didn't know he was leaving. So I stayed, signed another contract, and I was at Big Machine Valerie for three more years. But at that point, I got moved up to national director of promotion. So I was like helping lead the team. Um, Also worked with Justin Moore. I can't forget him. But so um, got to work with all of those artists. But then when my contract was over, I needed a change. So I went back. So John had created all these other imprints and he gave me a VP job as a VP of promotion. So came back here to do that. And then the VP of marketing job opened. And so I was like, well, I want to learn something new. I had only ever worked in radio. Um, so I took over marketing. Yeah, and I want to also specify, cause you keep talking about promotions and I feel like I definitely didn't know that meant radio yes. when I was younger. And I think, you know, that term goes back to when the only way you really promoted an album, a single was to put it on the radio. radio. And so that's, that's why the, the label is called the promotions department. The promotion you know? people, yep. And it's interesting. Cause you also said you worked in the promotions department, at a radio station, yeah. which is a very different thing because <laughs> then you're just promoting the radio station. <laughs> right. And that's more like event based and you're event out based. Like, yeah. You know, and I did that for a long time as well. So I'm very familiar. Yeah. I did that with radio Disney for a long time. Oh my God. I and then I worked at mix 929 before oh I started. Oh my gosh. Through, so. I didn't yeah. know that. Yep. I know that world. (laughs) Those are long days. I mean, the whole music business is 24 seven. But yeah, I'm glad that you said that. And then when I moved over to marketing within a record label, then I was learning digital streaming, social media, creative PR. So then it was a whole other world. Um, And then just recently got, you know, moved up to senior vice president of the label group. So now I'm just like overseeing all of those departments. I still have the same um, duties that I had before with my, with the marketing team, but, um, but also able to like oversee everyone else and be the number two to John Loba, who's our president. Um, and it, it was helpful, I think for him to kind of designate that person because he's so big picture. BMG is a global company. So we've got LA, New York, Australia, we, uh, London. So he's involved with all of those other offices. So Mm -hmm. he really Mm -hmm. needed someone Mm -hmm. that was like kind of spearheading overseeing Nashville. So Mm -hmm. it's been a big challenge for me, but that's, uh, that's as of recent. So that's like the longest 24 year story into (laughs) maybe 10 minutes. (laughs) So I want to go back a little bit though, and talk about when you were in radio and you came in and you were doing six hours a week and you wanted to stay. Why did they keep you? I think that's a really, really key point. Oh my gosh. Such a good question. I would imagine it was because like, I was obsessed with the job. I showed up early. I stayed late. I literally would do anything. 
let me tell you an actual story. This just came to my head. So one of my jobs is I had to drive the station vehicle, which was a 26 foot RV. I had to learn how to drive an RV. I'm like 19 years old. I learned how to do it. I was like, I'm just doing it. I'm fearless. I mean, I cried. I could never. I I literally could never. I cried the entire time. And the first time I had to do it, I was in a parade by myself driving this thing behind like a band. I can't even make up this because it, it actually happened. I feel this so hard. Like, like I, I, I feel this. I mean, the only good thing is about. that I was like yeah. going slow and I'm in Orlando. So like Orlando <laughs> traffic, but one of my jobs also on every Wednesday, I had to drive that RV to the local campground and dump the toilet. Not kidding. One of my jobs. But I think, and I tell this to anybody who asks for advice, who wants to talk about what do you do? I'm like, you do anything. You do anything it takes. You offer to do the stuff that nobody else wants to do. So like, that's probably the way I've gotten most of my jobs. Like I just, I, I, my, my tagline, if someone were to ask me, they did ask me the other day, I did a CRS thing, country radio seminar. Yeah. And I did a mentoring breakfast. My tagline was work harder than anybody in the room. Like, I don't know, yeah. do what you say you're going to do and work yeah. harder than anybody. And I think that gets you noticed. Just be willing to do anything. A hundred percent agree. And I was going to say, getting noticed, especially in an internship is just so important. Um, and I remember, oh, like I learned that way before my first internship at RCA and it really stuck with me. It's like, you know, there's so many interns and they have multiple interns a semester and a lot of them, they're not going to remember and they're just going to go do their own things. But it's the ones oh. that really step out of their comfort zone, ask to do additional tasks. Mm-hmm. Like you said, um, come in early, leave late. That's who's going to you know, be noticed and really get those full-time and future positions. It's so important. Yeah. And I think people, I find this all the time. I think people are scared. They're yeah. afraid to look mm-hmm. stupid. They're afraid to it's bother intimidating. us. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, and I'm like, no, when you come to my office and sit down and go, and I think the key is like, yes, you want to learn about the person that you're trying to mm-hmm. learn from. And I'm always happy to do that and share. But I think the key as an intern or as like getting your foot in the door is going in and going, what can I do for you? Right. Like, what is it yeah. that I can make your life easier today? Mm-hmm. And, or during, during your workday, what could I do? Mm-hmm. Um, we have a girl who was our front desk person And she just every day, like I was, we were traveling a lot and I'd be like, you know, in and out, in and out. And finally, she's like, Joe, you just seem so busy. Like, what is it that I can do? And so like, I started giving her, like, she booked all of my travel, did, you know, a bunch of stuff for me that she didn't have to do. And I was just so thankful for her. And she moved up. She's now our promotion coordinator. And we, it was because she was, she went out of her way. I never asked her to do anything. She Mm -hmm. just went out of her way to like, want to help. And you're totally right. There are so many, there are interns that I don't remember. And then there's an intern who like just house sat for me because, and now he's a public, he's like working with songwriters in town. He's a publisher um, because he stood out. So that's a that's yeah, really key. And I think the interesting thing is, so right now, so my assistant just announced that she's moving to Japan. So I am assistantless. <laughs> so I'm just going to make this point. I, um, I put out the ad. I'm looking for an executive assistant. It is shocking to me. And, and like, I am very involved in our intern programs. Um, I've become a lot more involved over the past, just during COVID when I had not as much to do. But um, it, it's, it's really interesting to me how many people have applied for this job and want to reference their time at CrowdSurf, and I don't remember them. Mm. And to me, I think in the past, I would have felt bad and thought like, wow, I didn't pay it. No, it's a lost opportunity for them. Because there are a bunch that you do remember. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, I have never worked for anybody that doesn't remember me. Like, yeah. that, that's not a question. Not surprised <laughs> about that one. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, that's just, and like, but the thing is, like, it doesn't mean I'm not scared shitless. Right. Like, dude, okay. 
this was the scariest thing I did in a while. So I don't know if you know Joe, Joe Jamie, but we have a boy band top 10 show on Spotify. And yesterday we had O-Town on. I could not sleep. I was so nervous. Oh my God. Like last week I spoke in front of 10,000 college students. No big deal. Talking to two members of O-Town, I was losing my mind. I was like, I was losing my mind. And like, it's, but it's just like, it's still things scare me. Things make Mm -hmm. me nervous, but you you have to go ask. And I think to kind of couple with the kind of like asking what you can do for somebody is also seeing things you can do for them and either just doing them or specifically saying, Hey, like, I love when an intern will come to me and say like, for instance, Hannah, our producer. So I met Hannah at an intern fair last year at MTSU. And she came up and she was my fan. And she was like, oh my gosh, I love your podcast. So I was like, oh, do you want to produce it? Because I don't know what I'm doing. Yes. And she's like, okay, yeah. And so, you know, it was, it was, it was actually really lucky timing because this was right before COVID hit. And then we definitely didn't know what to do or how to do this because we were used to going to a, a studio putting down a thousand dollars and getting an episode. I'm like, we can't do that anymore because we can't be in a studio. This is too much money. Like, what can we do? And Hannah's like, I got it. And then, you know, just the other day she was like, um, can you have your assistant stop recording this? I want to do it so I can have multi-tracks and do all this. And as, as she's gone through with us, she now puts sound effects in episodes and like pulls in little, little clips. Wow. And I'm like, that was so cool. <laughs> like just stuff. And I just, I love it. Cause she just does it. Yep. And it's like, wow, this is the stuff I always wanted and knew like we could get here, but like you're making it happen. And like, that's what I love when somebody just gets up and does the thing, you know, we love so Hannah. True. that is a great point. We love Hannah. <laughs> Thanks. Also, you did not seem nervous at all with O-Town. Like oh my you were God. so cool. I, my tummy was turning. I'll just put it that way. I was like, no. Oh my gosh. It made me so nervous. And like, it was one of the guys who was my favorite. And I was like, what? you're a queen. You are a queen. It's a lot. It's a lot. All right. So let's talk about your current job. I know we talked about it a little bit. And I know that the term typical is never going to work when it comes to the music industry. But in non-COVID times, Describe to me a typical month, not day, but like a month. Cause I think that makes more sense for our type of jobs. You're going to get me emotional because I really miss <laughs> non COVID times. I mean, I'll just, I'll be on that for like one second. I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, this has been so good for me. I've taken time to rest. And I'm like, no, no, put me on the road. Don't ever bring me back home. Like I, I thrive on that. I thrive on travel and artists and fans. Like I, I'm obsessed with fans of our artists. So many of them have become great friends of mine because, and I require our staff to do this as well. Like if you're going to go to a show, you can go, you can be backstage and do your job. But when the show starts, you're in the crowd Mm -hmm. and you're talking to at least five people. And then you come back and tell me what they say. Because I love that. Actually, you know what? I'm going to steal that. I'm going to steal it, but it's interesting because that's what I do. But I've never thought to ask someone else to do it. Right. Like we know to do it. You know, like we're fans yeah. and whatever. And I want to get out there. Like I can remember my huh. first Jason Aldean show. Like I, I somebody like busted a beer bottle over someone's head. And I was like, oh, yeah, like I'm in it. <laughs> Because I think we forget, like we're in this bubble and we forget mm-hmm. that like what we are marketing to, a fa- to we're marketing mm-hmm. our product to fans and they are a consumer. And the best consumer research you can do is go talk to people and ask them what they like. What's your favorite hey, song on this album? Men. It yes. is, I say this all the time. I'm like, you guys want to get a panel of people in a room to answer questions? 
go stand yeah. in the middle of a, a pit oh. and see what they're doing. And, like, it's insane. And like you said that, you know, you start, I think, we, I mean, we all started out as fans. I feel like, you know, I just started my career recently. Um, I graduated a couple years ago and, you know, I started as a hardcore fan. Jay knows this, but as a fan of Fifth Harmony and I would go to the shows and I would interact with the U's online, you know, like this one example was Lisa Kasha mm -hmm. from Epic Records, um, who was their project manager and our the VP of marketing. And, you know, we got close to be formed a relationship. And that's how I got my first internship, my job at Sony as a college rep. And that's, you know, indirectly how I met Jade and Cassie. Um, and that's why I am where I am today. So I love that you said that. I love that you're still doing that today, even though you find up the ladder, but it really is so important. Ugh, I just it got is, and I'm gonna bring up too, like Cassie, Cassie talks about this a lot. Like my big platform is if you want to work in the music industry, there's an entire industry sitting outside, go manage someone. Like there's, there's yeah. plenty of things you can do without yeah. getting paid um, or make it so you, you know, you eventually get paid. Um, but Cassie always talks about, and I, I really support this, put things that you do as a fan on your resume. 100%. Yes. And there are ways to do that. Like, for example, like I don't, I didn't have a resume at this time, but the reason I moved to Nashville, I was going to MTSU, but I wanted to go to MTSU because I was, I was really into Christian boy bands. Yes. <laughs> As a fact. I'm and loving so, this. Yeah. And so, um, cause here's the thing, the Backstreet Boys, you couldn't meet a Backstreet Boy. Like you couldn't, like you could not meet a Backstreet Boy unless you won yeah. like a national sweepstakes, but Christian boy bands would talk to you about Jesus. And I was like, this is great. I can do this. I can, they're, they're accessible to me. So I got really into this Christian boy band called Plus One. I just started emailing their manager and I'm like, I want to work in the music business. What should I do? I have a website and I have, you know, thousands of fans that subscribe to my newsletter. And he's like, you have what? <laughs> he's, just, he's like, well, the label doesn't have that many people subscribe to their newsletter and like their street team. So how about you run it instead? And I was like, oh, and so he's like, so how much will this cost? And I was like, oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He's, I was like, I just, I just want free concert ticket. He's like, you can have free concert tickets, but I should pay you some money. So, it's so the legal. thing that <laughs> like, I love this. And the thing that all four of us right now have in common is fearlessness. Mm -hmm. Like we've mm -hmm. all just been like, Hey, like here I am, you know, and just, yep. even, you, you know, just like put yourself out there. Exactly. Yeah. Even, and the thing is when I was reaching out to him, I was terrified. Yeah. I was terrified. It was not like a very, like, I know that I seem like I have this like outgoing personality, which I do, but when I don't know what I'm getting into, I'm, I get very nervous. All of us. I mean, that's just being human, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I always say, especially in this industry, you got to fake it till you make it. Like if you walk into a room intimidated, people are going to be able to tell that you're going to be less approachable. You're going to make less connections, meet yeah. less people. You got to go in like you're the boss that you are, whether you really feel that way or not. And you meet everyone in the room. You make all the connections, you network. Um, and I feel like this industry yeah. specifically, it's just, it's vital. I agree. I agree. Um, sorry, I got off track, but my, my typical month would be travel. Um, I would probably only be in the office maybe, you know, two or three days a week and then I'm on the road. And being mm -hmm. on the road in my position is a lot of, especially since I took over marketing, it's a lot of more like New York and LA um, mm -hmm. type 
trips, mainly because I am overseeing more. So before when I was working in radio promotion, I had a certain region I Mm -hmm. covered. So I was like covering radio stations in the Southeast. So Mm -hmm. I was going to Atlanta and Birmingham and, you know, the, the Florida, all of the Southeast markets. So now I'm going to more of like the New York LA because, um, you know, our main key, like clients, people that we work with are based in those cities. And so, you know, like a Spotify corporate, like Mm -hmm. a Facebook corporate, you know, so Mm -hmm. we are, a lot of my job is bringing those artists who might be traveling through New York or LA or in those areas doing shows and bringing them into the office and creating the relationships with those business people. So that's a lot of what I do, but then go to the show afterwards and then bringing those people to the shows and spending time with them. And our business is all about relationships, Mm -hmm. not only with fans, like we've been talking Mm -hmm. about, but with those key people who can, Mm -hmm. who can set up your artists for success and get lots of eyeballs on them. Um, so it's that, and then it's also, but then I'll still go to like a Columbus, Georgia and be like, I want to get in the pit and see a show and do like my research with fans. So it's that. And then when, you know, when I'm in the office, it's a lot of meetings. Um, it's meeting with, you know, I, th- I think the bulk of our meetings, which you guys have been part of, I think a bulk of our meetings are artist projects. So all year from week to week, we're putting out either new singles, new EPs, new albums. And that takes a lot of planning mm-hmm. because there's photo shoots to talk about their social media, there's press, there's radio. And so I'm kind of overseeing those project meetings, but we do have project managers for each of our artists and they're doing all like the logistic legwork. And then um, I'm kind of big picture overseeing that. So that's a lot Mm -hmm. during the day when I'm here uh, in Nashville, I would be in those meetings. And then at night, maybe we're going to some showcases looking for new talent. Um, There's a lot of that usually. And I can't wait to get back to it, but that's, that's probably like what a typical month, a lot of travel. And then when I'm in the office, just a lot of, a lot of meetings and showcases. I miss it. So Me too. I, could, I literally <laughs> cry almost. I'm not kidding. I probably cry almost every day. Cause I'm not, I'm wow. not good with this. Yeah. Like, I mean, I you, you wrote something this morning that I was like, Oh, meet. You were just like, I miss this. I miss, I was like, yeah, backstage like, tour buses. Yeah. Like, yes. I, would that's what I, was, I was like, you miss backstage. And I was like, and we're doing the backstage <laughs> podcast. Ironically. Perfect. <laughs> I want to go back to where you were saying, because you're here and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you for the people you say yeah. that you guys go out, you look for talent. Yeah. What are you looking for? What are what are the things people can be doing better as, as developing artists? You know, it's so great that you that you mentioned that. I was so I was on this country radio seminar mentoring breakfast like last week or week before, mm-hmm. and I had a bunch of people pop up into my virtual room that are new artists. And I'm like, this is the most exciting time for you to be a new artist. Like it's not back in the day where you had to have a record deal. Right. I was mm-hmm. like, you can literally on your phone become a star. Like, yeah. And so we talked about, I mean, what you guys do best. I'm like, you can literally grow your fan base um, and and have a social and an online presence without having to have a record label or having a record deal. But so what I would be looking for, and you know, we have a head of AR who would be the one who would really do the scouting. And again, John and I are kind of there to help, like help and oversee. Mm-hmm. But number one, and you guys know this as fans, it's just a feeling you get, yeah. right? When you're watching an artist, yeah. like I can't even set it factor. Right. And I don't the even know factor, how to explain yeah, it. It's, it's, it's a thing. It makes you yeah. feel something. Yeah. Yeah. make you feel something. So we're, we just signed this brand new artist and, you know, he's not a jump around the stage type artist. I went and saw a rehearsal the other day. 
But even just him standing there in his voice and his songs, I was like, oh my God, like he has this thing about him. But on top of that, I would honestly say the first thing I do when our head of A&R comes to me and goes, hey, what do you think about this artist? I go to their Instagram or I go to their TikTok and I go, how many followers do they have? Mm -hmm. So whether that's right or wrong, it's just that artists now have the ability to build that fan base on their own. And it's so crucial because we are, as a record label, it's not like the old days where we have years and years and years, honestly, to invest in someone. That artist really needs to come to us with their, they know who they are authentically as an artist and that they've also, you know, built their, or at least started to build that fan base. And Mm -hmm. again, you guys are the experts in that space, but I'm always like, answer every single person. Uh, I always use this example, but Lindsay L, you know, she's still up and coming, but years ago we were on a plane and it was to Canada and we were like three and a half hours into the plane ride. And she was on her phone the entire time. And I'm like, Lindsay, what are you doing? She's like, well, I'm answering everybody on Twitter. She answered every single person for three hours on every platform. And she, you know, we still haven't had a big hit on the radio, but she, for all Mm -hmm. purposes, is very well known. She has a huge following and she'll have a career the rest of her life, you know, whether she has a big radio hit or not, because she does that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, something else, a different kind of angle that I use to explain this, because I get that question all the time. You know, I get people calling us all the time going, make me famous. Can I pay you to make me famous? You know, because we have a different structure, like we're a we're an agency and, and you pay us to work with you and help you and whatever. But the way I kind of like pose it to a lot of, a lot of young artists. And I feel like when I say this, it's like the first time they ever heard this or thought this way. I'm like, look, you're a business owner. You're an entrepreneur. You are building a business. You have to brand that business. You have to figure out what your product is that you're selling. And once your business starts being successful, that's when you can partner with another business, i.e. a record label, to become a business partner and grow the venture bigger. But you can't just go, I have an idea. Will you be a business partner with me? It doesn't work that way. Like the only way that people become business partners when somebody has an idea is if you're Elon Musk and you've already done a bunch of things or you're, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Or you're Richard Branson and you've already, you know, you've got to, you got to, and it's, you know, that's no different than, you know, Justin Timberlake was huge in sync when he wanted to go solo. I'm sure it wasn't hard because he proved himself that he could be in a brand and be in a business and, and had fans. So, you know, I just always challenge people to kind of, because I think, I think sometimes it's hard to grasp or almost intimidating to grasp. I have to grow fans. I don't know how to grow fans. You have to grow consumers that are going to purchase your brand. It, it's literally that simple. And I think sometimes picking up a marketing book, looking at basic business practices might be a good place to start. And that's yeah. kind of a, just not like a typical thing that artists would right. do. Agree. You know? Agree. Um, yeah. I mean, Unorthodox. you could easily argue that it's easier now more than ever to do that. And I would love to pivot a bit um, on this topic to TikTok specifically. I know that you both had, you know, some involvement with Blanco Brown's The Get Up and how that was one of the first big TikTok viral moments. And, you know, he wasn't really a name before then. Um, And then he, Mm -hmm. you know, he scored this huge number one in country because of TikTok. Would love to Mm -hmm. hear, you know, how you guys, you know, went around that, especially in such, at the time, a new app. Um, And, you know, people were still working out how the platform worked, how fans connected to to the app, how you could, you know, transfer views and uses on TikTok to then streams and radio play. So I'd love to hear how you both kind of went about that. 
Yeah. I mean, I have a secret and I, I mean, it's not a secret, but people just don't know this actually, but the very first share we got, okay, well, I, let me just start from the beginning. Cause this is so fun. <laughs> so we had other music on Blanco that we were getting right. And we're like, Oh, let's figure mm-hmm. out how to put it out. We're going to put out an EP. And one day I'll never forget it. I was like in John's office, John Loba, I keep mentioning him. He's our, he's our president of the label. And he's like, Blanco just sent me this song, like Woody, and and he sent it as a video of him dancing to it in his socks, right. in gym shorts, like in front of a stairwell, not <laughs> kidding. So he, John's playing it for me over his phone and I'm like, oh my God, like, I think this is big. So he hadn't even recorded it yet. He had just like written it and did this dance to it. So we end up going in and recording it and we're like, we don't know if this is going to work or whatever. We have it recorded. He puts that. Da- so then we wanted to put the dance up on socials. Mm-hmm. We wanted him. But then we thought, well, we'll go like put some nice clothes on and let's do it. Like make let's it put look some nice. shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> <Number one. laughs> we're like, make yourself look like an artist. Like, let's do it like that. Well, we had three or four. I probably still have them somewhere in my phone. We had three or four different versions and we kept going back to, you know what? This one in his socks and his gym shorts, like <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty authentic. Mm-hmm. organic we literally posted that i think on his facebook was the first time we did it posted that on his facebook and this dj from atlanta not a radio dj like a club dj some random dj in atlanta found it posted it and that's where it started to take off wow. so it happened on tiktok it was very close i mean it definitely like grew exponentially mm-hmm. on tiktok started on facebook but and i wish i had the dj's name to give him credit because he literally like started it for us yeah but what happened on tiktok was an influencer i wish i knew his last name but his first name's harvey he's a uk influencer he got kicked out Mm -hmm. of school for doing the dance or this was his story on tiktok that he got kicked out of school for doing the dance and he posted the dance and that's when it like just started going crazy on tiktok so but like another kind of backstage story about this is Mm -hmm. I actually got in trouble with Blanco. So I saw this happening. So I'm like, I'm going to go put a spend towards influencers, which you guys listening know what that means. You know, famous people that have lots of followers. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to put money towards this and I'm going to get more people doing the dance. Blanco found, and I, I just thought he would love that because we're going to get more right. people. Well, he found out and he called me and I remember I was in New York in our New York office. And I remember that day. Cause he was so mad. He was like, Joe, I don't, I want this to be organic. I don't want any like promotion behind it. I want people to just pick this up on their own. And I'm like, okay. Like I had to call these dancers that I had lined up and go, you know what? I'm uh, so sorry. Like, I know we were going to but you know, the artist wants this to be authentic. So, so much credit to him because he knew how to just keep fueling the fire. So like we were talking about before, mm-hmm. he was responding to mm-hmm. people. He was DMing those influencers, anybody doing the dance. He was he was himself reaching out to them and it just started going crazy. In fact, he and I had to do a Wall Street Journal podcast and they wanted to know like, well, how did you do this? And we're like, it, it just like, it just started happening. Yeah. It happened yeah. because of these people posting, but it was so organic. And Jade, I don't know if you remember, have anything to add to that. The other key thing we did, giving away all of our secrets, the other key <laughs> thing we did is we put it up on SoundCloud first. So yeah. it was technically ready to go to everybody else however business boring stuff soundcloud you can upload it immediately all of the other streaming partners it would take a few days through our distribution Mm -hmm. company so we're like Mm -hmm. we don't want to wait we're going to get this on soundcloud because it was blowing up and so soundcloud had a huge part in the beginning of it too so much fun was awesome yeah i think i think a key thing to remember though is you know you guys went back to that you know short socks video because it was a great piece of content. Yep. And so 
when you, you know, when you say giving them all the secrets, you can know all the secrets in the world, but you have to start with the great song, the great dance, the great piece of content, the great concept. That's the hardest part. That's what we wait for artists to do so we can do all the other things, you know? And then I think interesting too, like Blanco not wanting, and I remember all that, like not wanting to spend money to like go, you know, to be authentic and all that. It's interesting because, you know, five minutes ago, we're talking about artists, please sign me and give me money. And you have, you know, one money doesn't mean everything. Nope. You can do it without money and go back to that concept of the great piece of content, the great song, the great piece of entertainment. Like it it truly is that. And I think sometimes like, I think sometimes you have artists, maybe not sometimes, maybe lots of times, actually. I feel like there are so many artists, especially in Nashville, they spend more time networking than doing their craft. Yeah. And it's like, you went to a hundred bars this year to network, but you didn't write a hundred songs. That's a problem. That's an imbalance in building your business and your brand. A million percent. I completely agree. And that that would be another thing going back to the question of like, what are you looking for? Not only am I looking for that, like following and, but I'm looking for that artist who comes in and knows exactly who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have to create the marketing for them. Like they, like you said, they bring it to us and then we do our thing. But if that artist doesn't know who they are, know what they want, like, I don't have a lot to work on to work with. You know, we have an artist named Lainey Wilson just put an album out last week and she it's called saying what I'm thinking little plug. Um, but she's a great example of an artist who like, we've never had to go Lainey, why don't you think about this? She comes in in her bell bottoms, her hat, her vintage style, her music matches that she knows what to do on socials. We don't ever even have to tell her. All we have to do is take what she does and amplify it, which should be our job. So that that's key. And same with Blanco. And you look at even I'll, I'll say artists that aren't even mine. You look at Miranda Lambert, you look at Eric Church, when they were starting out, they just didn't care. They're like, this is who I am. I don't know how many singles Miranda had before she had a number one, same with Eric Church, but they're the most, some of the most recognizable artists mm-hmm. to this yeah. day. So actually we, Eric was one of my first clients that I was kind of the reason that. we could, could start CrowdSurf and nobody knew who he was. So, um, Don Gates brought us on, uh, Capital Nashville, they were on a hiring freeze, but they had a marketing budget. So she had heard of me and Cassie. We were doing these little whatever projects that weren't paying a lot. She said, let's have a meeting. Okay, I'm gonna pay you this much to do our entire roster. So all of a sudden we go from unknown artists to having Heath Urban. Darius had just signed, set up his MySpace page. Lady Annabellum was on their second album. Eric Church was on there, but nobody really cared or knew who he was. All these people. And it's interesting because I don't know Eric Church. I've never met Eric Church, which which happens with different projects I work on. I literally never meet the people, but you just work with a label or a manager and you do what you do. And then some, you know them and you spend time at their house and they call you in all hours of the night. It just (laughs) just depends. So, but with Eric, um, he put out this, I think it was Carolina was what it was called. I mean, this was like 16 years ago, but you know, for us, it was just a project. We weren't super passionate about country music. I'm not going to lie. We were trying to build our business. Everyone knows we're most passionate about pop music, but we were going to do the best we could and kill it and make sure that we were bringing in, uh, you know, bringing in the results to hopefully maybe make, make the business work and get more business. And so Don challenged us and said, I think the people at the label are going to pay more attention if we become like number one on iTunes. We're like, okay, great. We'll do it. And we did it and everyone freaked out. Like, it was just like, you did what? Like, how did you do that? And I'm like, you know, we fed the fans. We fed the fans, we yep. did the thing. 
we pushed it. We made great looking content and banners. And back then it was more about just the banners looking good to click on for ads and stuff than like yeah. actual content. We replied to every MySpace comment. We, all the things. And, and he went number one and it was just interesting because like then we weren't working on the project anymore. It's just like, you know, projects come and go. Sometimes you work on it for three months. Sometimes you work on it for 20 years. It just, it just depends. But it's interesting because that happened and it was really cool because you know if i ever did get a chance to talk to him i'd be like do you remember that time <laughs> because yeah. i think it was a very pivotal moment for him having this digital number one album when they couldn't get a single moving before that yeah so. that's so cool i didn't know that i've i've known him since i moved to nashville but i just i love that story that's so cool yeah it's it, also another story and i'm gonna i'm not gonna go too far into it because tracy gershon's doing the podcast soon and this involves her but cassie petrie discovered lady annabellum what 100 percent. i have I every bit of confidence saying that and tracy will back it up <laughs> yep so yeah. i'm gonna stay here for that podcast though well so, cliffhanger yeah, i can tell you on the side better tune in i was gonna say i'll be listening <laughs> i think she was 19 or 20 years old wow she's incredible i mean it was simple tracy came to her and said find me a band on myspace and she did wow <laughs> that's where it went yeah yep and then it all kind of went wow. from there so so cool but yeah, well, this has been so much fun. I, I love this. You. I feel like we should have a part two or something because Same, there's I'm so ready much for this to be advice over. and I know I'm like no. information. <laughs> you can't get rid of me. <laughs> I do think we all owe it to ourselves to talk about one particular project that we are all working on right now because I think it is uh, a pivotal and important moment not only in country music history, but in music history and LGBT history. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's talk about Brooke Eden. Um, gosh, I can't wait to hear you guys talk about her because the passion and creativity that you've brought to this project is so exciting. I'll back up for, for those of you listening that don't know. Um, but Brooke Eden is one of our artists. We've actually had her signed for quite a while and musically, we just haven't gotten to, we haven't been able to get it right. And even Brooke will say that she's on here telling her story, which you guys should get her on actually. Um, yeah. she tells her story way more eloquently than me, but we just couldn't necessarily get it right. You know, we had, we brought her out to radio, um, we have radio people still like worship her. They love her so much. She has great relationships. We all love her, but she just went away for a while and she made this music that we're like, where did this come from? So we have like these three incredible songs. We already released, um, no shade a couple of weeks ago. You know, we have sunroof out and then we'll be coming teaser. We'll be coming with another one soon. Um, but Brooke's story is that she identifies as queer and she has a girlfriend named Hillary and she she just really publicly came out to the business and the industry via her socials. Um, like I said, I, I feel like I can't even speak eloquently to her story because she does it so well. And I think something we were really like passionate about was making this about her new music, not necessarily that she has a girlfriend named Hillary, but yeah. the music ties, it's a, it's a trilogy of music and it ties so beautifully into her story with Hillary that we put videos to each song. You are going to see that story play out in the videos. Um, but what you guys have added to the project um, has just been incredible. Um, Justin, specifically, thank you so much. So we came to you guys and we're like, hey, we admittedly do not know the LGBTQ space in terms of like, how do we expose her music to those right. listeners, to those fans that are going to be able to relate to her. And then also like maybe go, oh my gosh, 
that's me as well. And I feel comfortable and now I can tell my story. And I think that's really important to Brooke to be able to make fans and just people in general feel comfortable in that space. And we're, we're not experts there. Mm -hmm. Like I can go market to every outlet in the world that we know, except this space. So when I came to Jade, it was like, this is what I want. Cause you guys do so many different things and you've helped our other artists in the past with literally just like learning how to post on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But this to me was like an expertise that you guys had that we did not have. And we brought you guys on. And I just feel like you're absolutely killing it in that space. I feel like I get an email from Justin almost every day. Like, Hey, we've got so 17 more I'm things. So I'm like, no, I'm like, ah, I can't even get through. Cause there's so much information. I'm like, this is exactly what we needed you guys for. And I'm, we're just so thankful. I know that. We don't, but here's the thing. We don't deserve the credit on this. I want to give BBR the credit because I was going to say that too, you know, maybe our listeners don't get this because they're young and they're, they're seeing the world differently than even I grew up or you grow up, grew up Joe Jamie, but I have been in Nashville for 16 years. And I'm telling you, you guys being behind an openly gay country artist, putting money behind her, I don't want to say allowing, but like allowing, because other people have not allowed her to have her, her, her girlfriend in the video kissing her is not something that has happened before. It, it has not happened. And the fact that you guys are doing this, look, I'm going to say it. It's a risk. It is a risk. We've all seen where America is right now. We've all seen the hate and, and the that the unfortunate, you know, things that have been said and done, you know, in the past year, especially. And I understand the country audience very well. A hundred percent of the country audience is no way going to be behind this. And you guys know that. But the fact that you guys are taking a risk and doing this is such a huge step for not only, you know, Brooke and the LGBT audience, but, but for Nashville and for country music. And I want to, you know, I want to thank you for doing that. Jay, you're going to make me cry. Like, yeah. thank you so much for saying that. And I'll just, I'll just talk BMG specifically, who's our parent company owns BBR music group. They've instilled in us, you know, as soon as they bought us about three years ago, um, it's artists. We're always artists first. So we are always the artist creativity, the artist vision, we are always going to support. And so, um, yeah, I just don't think there was ever a question in terms of like, yeah, well, yeah, this is what you want. This is what you feel passionate about. And we can do, we can tell this story in a cohesive and interesting way. Mm -hmm. And then also, again, I'll give Brooke this credit is she wants to help people. Right. She wants to go, you know what? Like, it's okay. You can come out and say this about yourself. You can tell your story and I'm going to go ahead and lead. And so I'll give Brooke the credit where she's brave. Hillary is brave. Um, they've both, you know, Hillary's in the business herself. She works at a record label. And so they know, they understand and the bravery it has taken for both of them. Uh, ooh, I have chills. I'm going to start too. crying. <laughs> I mean, for both incredible human beings. And one thing I'll add is that, you know, on these label calls and talking to everyone at the label individually, no one's like everyone is so open to learn um, and ask so many important questions and isn't afraid to, to not know because this is so new to everyone. And, you know, as a member of the community, I respect that so much instead of like faking it or, you know, potentially saying something disrespectful accidentally. It's all about the questions. It's all about, you know, welcoming the knowledge. And I appreciate that so much. And it's part of the reason it's been such a pleasure to be on the project. And I mean, I just love Brooke so much. And I don't think 
she doesn't really any of us even quite understand how historic this moment is and could be and how we could look back on this conversation five, 10 years from now and be like, holy shit, we helped change the music space forever. And I know that sounds, I just got chills. I know that sounds dramatic, but it's true. Yeah. And it's interesting because right now we're having this conversation the night before, you know, this, this song and video and everything's coming out tonight. And it's, it's actually premiering as the first country music video on gay times. And it's just, it's all about to happen. So next week when this airs, yeah. it will have happened. This, this will be live. So right now you guys can go listen and stream Sunroof, please go. And I also have to give a shout out to mm-hmm. Brooks creative director, Ford Fairchild, who has been on this podcast. I has been a close friend of mine for 15 years. Um, it's, it's so amazing to see him grow and, and get to be a part of this as well. He's incredible. So. Well, thank you guys for those, for those kind words. And you're right, Justin, I think like, even me, I'm like, okay, LGBTQ, like I mm-hmm. wanted to be able to say the letters, say the, no, I know. and I'm not even being funny. I'm like, I want to be full right. of that. Like Brooke and I actually had a conversation. She's like, I just want to make sure like you guys can ask me any questions. And we've yeah. just been very open. And I think again, this is super cheesy, but it just literally comes from a place of love. Like we all love her and we love each other so much that that love like turns to respect and like we would never want to do or say anything that would be disrespectful and then just you know put her on that pedestal that she deserves i'm getting emotional like this is not okay (laughs) but like seriously they're on it with us i'm so pumped no and just there's not many artists that can say that they have teams as supportive and open and welcoming as as you all and it's i just have the utmost respect for all of you really it's it's amazing we love you guys so glad to have you on we all love each other the only thing that would make this better is if we were like actually together like eventually stop we will i know right well, thank you again, Joe Jamie. I, I so appreciate you taking time. I know you're busy. You're overseeing like an entire marketing of an entire label. Um, but I think you had some amazing things to say. I know you're going to have some tips in there that help people take steps and change their own life. Hey, and so. Jade, if there's a way for you guys to share my contact information, like any, like my email, my social media, like. Well, definitely tell us your social media because we always want to share that. I think that's the great place to start. At Joe Jamie everywhere. So it's J-O-J-A-M-I-E. So that's Instagram, Twitter, and then I'm on Facebook and I have TikTok so I can keep up with everybody. I'm terrible (laughs) there though. But I just say that because I want anybody that has questions, like like you said, Jade, I mean, I will do that for anybody. Anybody that has questions asking for advice because people still do that for me today. I'm still learning and people still mentor me. So I want to be able to help other people so amazing so if you guys have a question you can dm any of us we'll, yeah. we'll all all answer your questions so yeah. all right justin since since this is your first episode do you want to tell people where they can follow oh you gosh. as well of course, i mean i would never miss out on a little plug um you can follow me on instagram at justin horowitz h-o-r-o-w-i-t-z you can follow me on TikTok, Justin underscore Horowitz. I'm not as active there. I, I always like to say I spend a lot of time helping my clients on TikTok and I don't mm. have quite the same time to post for myself. Um, but I also love TikTok so much. So if you have any questions about that platform specifically, reach out to me. Um, and yeah, I don't really use Twitter. So follow me in those places. I'll follow you back, maybe. That was the most intense handle drop I've ever heard. Thank you for that. <laughs> what do you mean intense? <laughs> My, was I scary? Lot. <laughs> it was, it wasn't just follow, it was let me go through you by opinion on all social media and why and why do or do not use it. <laughs> this is why you don't give me the platform to speak, okay? Just let me sit here. Okay, well, you guys know where to find me. It's fully at Jade. Follow us at 
I got backstage. I got backstage on Twitter. This episode has been edited by Hannah Humphreys and produced by Crowdsurf with original music by Cody Falkowski.